You are listening to the teaching podcast of Praise Community Church in Mason City, Iowa. For more information about our church, please visit praisecc.org. It's a powerful thing to know that you are in the hands of a mighty potter. I love watching... um, just watching the work that he does on those pots, you know, and uh, just watching the, the thought and the effort and the heart that goes into making something like that. I, I've certainly never made a clay pot before <laughs> or worked with clay um, in any way like that. But just to think about the, the heart that you need to, I'm sure, give to being able to shape and form uh, something into such a beautiful thing is, uh, is a powerful connection. And I'm sure that that's why God told Jeremiah, I have a message for you and I want you to go down to the potter's house. And we read that in uh, Jeremiah 18. It says, this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And, uh, you know, words are so limited, and especially when you're trying to express Um, a heart message. Um, A lot of times it takes a picture um, to be able to begin to really connect to the heart of what is trying to be communicated. And of course, we see that all throughout scripture, how God used images or um, symbolisms or a, a demonstration of something to, to really communicate the depth of the message that he wanted to give. And, uh, and that's what he, he's doing through this potter. You know, what do we learn about God as we look at the example of the potter? Obviously, in the image, God is the potter and we are the clay. And, and it's not in a sense of having dominance. It's not in a sense of having authority over it's in a sense of lovingly caring and, and giving his very best to the benefit of that lump of clay. And, and I love how in that passage too, it talked about how, how the clay was marred. In other words, it, it had been um, uh, something faulty had happened to the clay. And, and so, but he just took it and reshaped it again. He took it and shaped it into something that it says seemed best to him. And his judgment's always right. <laughs> his judgment's always good. Sometimes the things that seem best to us um, are not on target. But with God, he's always on target. Um, one of the passages that um, especially speaks to his personal shaping of us is the powerful passages of Psalm 139. And uh, I just want to read a few of those for you this morning. 
It says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. God created us for a reason. He created us for a purpose. And he didn't create us out of a, of, of a sterile um, rigidness. He created us out of a deep love and a deep delight. Um, and it's really important to know that God delights in you. And I think that these passages already begin to give us a, a clear picture of the deep delight that God has for each and every one of us. And there's no one left out of that delight, just like it said in the thing that, you know, he, he created each one of us. Um, and, uh, and there's much thought that goes into his creation of us and into uh, his relationship, the relationship that he wants to have for us. And we can read a lot of things about God's delight in us. We can see a lot of evidence of his delight in us. But one of the things that makes a big difference is when you experience the delight that God has for you. Because our delight has, God's delight has to affect us not only in our minds, but in our hearts. And it's experience that speaks strong, most strongly to the heart when you personally can experience God's delight of you. And there's a lot of different ways that we can begin to experience that delight. Um, one of the ways that God designed things for us to experience his delight, um, at least in an um, idealistic type of way, is through a parent. Um, all of us have imperfect parents, but God's original intent and design is for us to experience the delight of a parent um, as a way of getting in touch with the delight that God has for each one of us. And uh, as you think about um, being a parent, um, it, whether you are a parent or whether you simply have experienced the delight of your parent towards you, um, there is uh, an amazing uh, expression of love that happens between a parent and a child. There's a great delight. And, you, and if you watch a, a parent with their new, new baby, um, everyone's ooing and aahing over that baby. And uh, the, the, the delight the parent has for that, other people join in and they delight over everything. They smiled, they, uh, they uh, rolled over, they crawled, they walked, they talked. I mean, every, every little thing that baby does, that child does is a celebration. Um, of accomplishment and delight 
Um, and, and as that child continues to grow, great delight is taken in every, everything that child does as an expression of their identity. And as you celebrate their discovery of who they are and what they wanna do and their dreams and their hopes for their life and their future, um, you, you take great delight in watching that unfold. Um, and so if that is to be an image and a, and a picture for us of God's delight of each of us, you know, how much more powerful we can begin to connect with that delight that God has for each one of us to realize that's how God feels about me, only even in a more perfected state is uh, God's perfect love. Whereas our, our parents are limited, our parents are imperfect to one degree or another. And, uh, and so that can make it diff difficult. But even the fact that you realize that they're not what they should be is already comes from that imprint in your heart that God has placed, that you can look at that and know that that person is not what they should be. According to who? According to God. So, so once again, even in their imperfection and the ways that you feel the lack of delight they may have, it already confirms the great delight that God has for you and designed you to experience. You were designed to experience that kind of love and delight towards you. And in your heart, you know it. So um, as we experience the delight from our parents, I know for me, as I experienced the delight of my parents, as imperfect as they were, I desired to experience it more. It inspired me to want to make decisions to want to live my life in a way that would bring forth more delight. You know, it, it affirmed my value. It made me feel loved. Uh, it helps me uh, continue to support that cycle of delight and, and the reward of having delight be a response to you and your decisions and the things that you did. Uh, of course, that is a very limited cycle from person to person, but in God, it's an eternal cycle. And, uh, and, it, and, it, and it draws you in, it makes you want to participate. I was just having a conversation yesterday uh, talking about um, the story of the woman caught in adultery. And uh, it was kind of one of those aha moments where you're talking and exploring it and learning new things. And uh, so as we were talking about that story, about the woman caught in adultery, if you remember in that story, there was a group of, of religious people that wanted to stone the woman because she had um, committed adultery. And of course, Jesus wrote in the sand and he said to them, you without sin cast the first stone. And of course, they all dropped their stones gradually one by one and they walked away. And then he told the woman, you know, these people don't condemn you and neither do I, go and sin no more. And as uh, I've always kind of not 
fully been comfortable with that story just because um, as someone who uh, I would say tried to do the right things, um, that became important to me was doing the right things. And, and so, yeah, of course we don't want a stoner, but at the same time, you know, just a dismissal, is that all she's getting? You know, don't you want to sit down and have a conversation and kind of talk to her about some of the reasons you wouldn't want to live that way and things like that? And uh, so as we were talking yesterday though, the thing that really came to me was the fact that the priority for Jesus wasn't do the right thing. The priority for Jesus was for everyone on the scene to realize they need a savior. And that doing the right thing is, is just not possible for us in this world in our limitation, that's why Jesus had to come. If it was possible, he wouldn't have had to come uh, to pay that penalty. We could just all get it straightened out and start doing the right thing. Um, and just the heart of that, that, that that is his focus, is you needed a savior and I'm here. And, and, and the powerful love that he was communicating the powerful delight that even in their sinfulness, he had delight and uh, the affirming of the value of this woman was what she really needed. You know, we, no one needs a lecture. They need to know the love of God. They need to know their savior, their need for their savior. And then what eventually happens as we get to know our Savior and we begin to experience his love and delight, it inspires us from the inside out to begin to change. We begin to have new desires that begin to affect the decisions that we make. So it's not a self-righteous, I gotta do the right thing. It's a, I love my Savior and I can't help but do the right thing. It, it's, it's, it comes from a whole different place. Um, and, uh, and, and just the, the, the joy and freedom of that picture that God's not calling you to do the right thing. He's calling you to know your Savior. And as you know your Savior, it will change you. It will change your desires. And you will just gradually become a new person not because you're doing the right thing, but because you know your Savior. There's a quote that says, when we love the Lord, obedience ceases to be a burden. Obedience becomes a delight. So it goes back to, I'm delighted in, and therefore I delight in my Savior. I delight in my Lord, and I show my delight through my obedience. I don't know if I uh, would have had a lot of uh, examples of experiencing the delight of God before um, about 12 years ago. And uh, a number of you were actually involved in that experience. Um, <clears throat> after we had four children, um, we didn't have a piece about making our plan of three to four kids uh, permanent in any way um, and just felt like God had led us to trust him for our family size. And uh, 
around that time, I also had come across a scripture in Mark 7, 11, that talked about a type of offering called a Corbin offering. And all of our kids, uh, their names end with A-N, Ryan, Evan, Logan, Megan, Morgan, Kirsten, um, instead of J's, Jeff and Janie and a bunch of J's. <laughs> I don't want a bunch of J's. Um, that just kind of started to happen. And so I just kind of thought, well, that's a cool pattern of connection. And uh, so right around that time, I, I had just seen that name Corbin in, and I thought, well, that ends with an A, and that's kind of a cool name, and it's meaningful because it says uh, it was a gift devoted to God. And so I thought, wow, that's, that's a cool name. I think if we end up having another boy, I think that would be a great name for a boy. So then um, under our new God plan for our family, um, we uh, got pregnant and had Morgan in 2004. And um, of course, didn't get to use the Corbin name because we had a girl. So, and then uh, in 2006, we were pregnant again. And um, the baby was due in December. And I went to a regular appointment in July and totally never experienced this before. But um, when they were doing the ultrasound or doing, listening for the heartbeat, they couldn't find it. And uh, they um, did an ultrasound and there was no heartbeat. And so that, of course, was very surprising and very upsetting. Um, and uh, so they just uh, recommended a DNC because I was about 14, 15 weeks along. And, uh, and we moved on. And so then got pregnant again and had Kirsten in 2008 and then got pregnant again. That's what happens when, you know, you, God's plan. Um, <laughs> got pregnant again and, uh, in, in 2010. And uh, at the beginning of this pregnancy, I had read a story about a woman who had gone in and said there was no heartbeat. And instead of doing anything um, that they recommended, she just decided to let nature take its course as she described it. And uh, so it had been a month after that and nothing had happened. So she went back in to the doctor and they checked again and there was a heartbeat. And so I read that at the beginning of that pregnancy and of course remembering that other one where I had miscarried and uh, thought, wow, that's, an, that's another perspective I had never heard before. So anyway, so, the, so for this latest pregnancy then, I was on track with the same pattern as far as I was due in December. And I went to the doctor in July and the same thing happened. They listened and there was no heartbeat. And uh, another thing that happened that same day was, it was in July, but I got a, a belated Christmas gift that morning. Um, because I know of Amy Palmer uh, worked here at the church and she makes mosaics. And so back the previous Christmas, she had said she wanted to make a mosaic for us, but she wanted us to pick out the colors and what would be on it and everything. And so we did that. And that morning before I went to the appointment, she dropped it off because she got it done. And uh, so I had gotten it and hung it up on the wall and uh, th this mosaic, what we had chosen to have on it was faith, the word faith. So I had just hung up our Christmas gift on the wall that said faith. <laughs> 
And I remembered that story I had read at the beginning of this pregnancy um, and knew that the pill they wanted me to take to uh, complete this miscarriage, um, that we decided we're not doing that. So we decided this time we're, we're not taking matters in our own hands in this situation and we're going to just trust God and not only trust God, but you know, it feels like he's kind of set us up to believe for a miracle. And uh, so we decided that's what we're gonna do. We're just going to believe for a miracle. We're gonna believe that God wants this baby to live. And, um, but I was not wanting to tell anybody because I thought people would have a hard time supporting that um, and not understand that, which I understand we're the ones that have all the, all the encouragement and information and no one else is really in the midst of that. And so I was all ready to just keep this to ourselves. And uh, so, you know, it was on a Tuesday, I think that it all happened. And then by Friday or Saturday, I think Friday, um, and, and part of what this uh, required too was just a deep focus on the Lord you know, to walk this out, to stay in faith and trust um, of God in this and to be completely cooperative was my goal in walking through this. So every day it was reading the word and just walking in faith and trust that God was gonna do something significant. So near the end of that week as I was reading, in the scriptures, I came across 2 Corinthians 1, 9 to 11. And uh, the scripture says, Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor God granted us in answer to the prayers of many. <laughs> so, so I had just finished reading that going, okay, obviously God wants us to share this um, and have people involved. And no no longer after I got that thought through my head, Jeff came home through the back door, walked in the room, and he said, I think God wants us to share this. <laughs> I said, yeah, I know, I just got the message. So anyway, so then um, on Sunday, then he shared what had happened and what we were praying for and believing for, um, for the pregnancy. And uh, so then everybody's on board. And uh, so that feels like a lot of responsibility too. So that was another reason I think I was trying to avoid that. But um, so anyway, so then um, I felt, you know, God impressed that uh, we were to name the baby. And of course I didn't know what it was, but I know that, um, I know I was looking through my notes. I know Claudia had, prayed over us that Sunday along with everybody else and had said she felt really impressed that this is a boy. And uh, I'm sure she doesn't remember that, but I wrote it down. 
<laughs> and uh, anyways, I really felt like, obviously, if God's wanting me, us to name the baby, and then I had that boy name that I got way back when we first started to trust God for our family size, and uh, I just felt like, well, this must be the baby that that name is for, um, so decided this is Corbin, and uh, so then I thought, there, we, we named the baby, and then it's like, well... What baby did we have we didn't give a middle name to? So then I said, okay, Jeff, I got the first name, you get the middle name. So, so anyways, he prayed over that and he felt really inspired to pick Josiah. And Josiah was a king that became king when he was eight years old. And uh, he, he uh, several years later, um, discovered... Um, the fact that the word of the Lord was not being honored by the people. And so he uh, recommitted himself and called all the people to recommit themselves to the word of the Lord. And uh, so that was kind of the inspiration of that. So we named him Corbin Josiah. And then we had a few people that got together with us a couple times uh, to pray. And uh, one of those people um, did a little research after I shared the name of the baby. And uh, she said, uh, she researched this Corbin offering and she discovered that it's an offering that you give when you wanna go from one level to another level in your relationship with God. And uh, so I thought, wow, that's, I didn't know that. So that was, you know, really powerful um, uh, aspect to that name as well. So um, anyway, so we, this went on for three weeks and, uh, and just continued to believe. And sometimes I felt like I had signs that, you know, maybe the baby was alive again and things like that. And so it was just very hopeful, very optimistic. And uh, so at the end of that three weeks, in the middle of the night, I started to have some feelings physically that I didn't think were probably good, but I wasn't allowing myself to believe that they weren't good because I just continued to believe that God can do anything at any point, and there's never a point until it's all over that there's not potential for God to do whatever he wants to do. And so I just stayed in peace, but I did wake up Jeff and I asked him to pray and he prayed and then he went back to sleep. And then, <laughs> I don't know if he was asleep, but we're, we were both trying. And uh, so as I continued to lay there and just pray and stay in peace, I had a vision, um, a vision, just a picture that came into, you know, the forefront of my mind or wherever it is and uh, of a waterfall and uh, that I was standing in this waterfall and it was just coming down, you know, very gently, pleasantly. And it was great, you know, it's like, ah, oh, that's, that's relaxing, you know, and uh, peaceful. And so as I'm enjoying it, then I just felt God impress on me, go and take a shower. And I'm like, take a shower. It's three o'clock in the morning. You know, that's very impractical, you know, go and take a shower. So first I'm kind of like resisting it. And then as I just, and then I just felt impressed to do it. 
And so I reminded myself, okay, remember we, we're cooperating, we're doing whatever God tells us to do, whatever he tells me to do, I'm going to do it. And so then I felt, he said, anoint yourself with oil and take a shower. And so I thought, well, we do have a shower downstairs. We never use it. So I could go down there and not wake up anybody. And uh, we do have oil, anointing oil in the kitchen on the way over there. So I got that, went down, anointed myself in the oil, got in the shower, closed my eyes thinking, okay, now I'm going to see the waterfall and I'm just going to be in the shower. I will literally be having the waterfall happen, you know, is what I assumed was going to happen. And uh, so I closed my eyes fully expecting that. And then instead of that though, I had a picture that came to me and it was Jesus. And, and, and we've all seen, and yet we never have seen, Jesus came up out of the water after he was baptized with all the water falling down off of him. And uh, so I saw Jesus coming up out of the water like he had just been baptized. And then after he did that, then God the Father spoke. And when that part came, the picture of him, Jesus went away and God said to me, this is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. And it was like just full delight. <laughs> so that's why I say experiencing God's delight in such an unexpected, powerful way. And uh, so after that moment passed and everything, then um, I completely miscarried, like nothing and all of a sudden it was over. And, uh, and I thought, wow, well, that's done. <laughs> and, and I was able to be at peace about it because I, was, I felt so like right where I was supposed to be. I was right, right in the middle of uh, just that confirmation, you're right where you're supposed to be. And when you're right where you're supposed to be, it's okay when things aren't right. It's like, you know, I mean, God is bigger. He's, he's bigger than those things that aren't right. As long as you are right with him, you know, following him, obeying him, positioning yourself primarily in trust of him as your savior. And so that was a very um, powerful experience um, that completely put me on a whole new course in my life. Um, we're reminded in uh, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And uh, there is something powerful when we have to sacrifice, I think, something significant in our life as we trust God. You remember um, um, examples in Scripture where people were called to sacrifice uh, in different ways. And I think that when we put our trust in God and that sacrifice becomes necessary, that he rewards it in certain ways. He, he enables you to uh, kind of break through uh, some barriers 
um, in your life or in your relationship with God or whatever it might be to be able to go on to new places. And um, so there's a lot of different ways we can experience God's pleasure. And uh, Eric Little from Chariots of Fire, if that was a long time ago movie, but it's about this man named Eric Little. And he uh, won a gold medal in the 1924 Olympics. And he was a Christian missionary um, and athlete. And uh, he, there was a race that he was supposed to run in the Olympics that was on a Sunday and he refused to participate because it was on a Sunday um, because his faith was right at the center of everything he did. And um, um, so one of the things that he's famously quoted as saying um, is, um, it says, I believe God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And uh, it's a real powerful verse. When I run, I feel his pleasure. God made me fast. In other words, this is God's design for me. I'm a unique individual. This is one of the characteristics of how God made me. And when I utilize the way God made me by running fast, I feel his pleasure. In other words, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. I am right connected to God's purpose for me. And that is when we feel God's pleasure. We're like in harmony with his plans and his purposes for our life. And uh, I think that's just a really powerful verse for us to think about. What would you fit into those blanks? God made me blank. And when I blank, I feel his pleasure. You know, in that situation that I told you about, that story, um, I could say God made or helped me put my trust in him. And when I did... I felt his pleasure. Now that's a statement any of us could say, right? Any of us could say, God helped me to put my trust in him. And when I did, I felt his pleasure. And I think most of us could probably testify to times where we've done that, where we, we have put our trust in him and felt his pleasure. And the, and the great thing about the story I gave you was that the thing that, that drew me into putting my trust in him, it didn't actually end up working out. I mean, you know, there was no miracle in the sense of a baby coming back to life. But I got something that gave me life at a much deeper, at a, at a much deeper place. Um, than actually having that thing I was searching or wanting to happen, happen. And, and that's exciting news to know that, that God is faithful to fulfill his purposes in your life and that his purposes are greater and deeper than what sometimes you think you need um, or that you want. Um, and he did that for me again by, um, so after, after that, I just felt like my, my, the, the main thing that came from my heart was 
this is really living what's next. Because it, I felt more alive than I, have ever, I ever felt before. And I wanted more of that. I wanted to trust God for something big again. <laughs> it's like, it, which is total affirmation of what God can do in your life because that doesn't make sense to anybody else. You know, that thing that you wanted to believe for, that big thing, it didn't happen. Now you want to do it again? You know, it doesn't really make sense. So, but for me, the big thing right away within a couple months was believing for the old Hobby Lobby down at the mall on South Federal. And uh, for a variety of reasons and some words that people had gotten and everything, it was like, okay, uh, go pray for that building over there. <laughs> and so for the month of September, every day, um, there was a few of us that would, a variety of people that would go and pray in front of there. We took our lawn chairs, sat in a circle in front of this vacated Hobby Lobby and uh, prayed for God to open up the doors so we could have a building for our church because we were at the YFC building. And uh, so we did that and for a whole month and then Jim carried it on from there and started the house of prayer. And then... Um, that March, then the roof collapsed. <laughs> I was going to church that morning and looked over and the roof is collapsed on the building that I felt God led me to pray for. So, um, and then uh, that morning though, God gave me a dream about being on a bus and um, God was driving the bus, only I, it was my dad in the dream. And, uh, and that night, we had a How to Hear God's Voice class talking about dreams. And so I got to share this dream that I had that morning. And uh, my dad's driving the bus looking that way and that way and that way, but not looking straight ahead. And I look straight ahead and I said, we are going the wrong way on a one-way street. We're responsible for all these people on the bus and you're not paying attention. And what do you think that dream meant? <laughs> So it looked that day when the roof collapsed that God was not paying attention. And, uh, but obviously God always knows what he's doing. And so the message of the dream is, it may not look like I'm paying attention or that I know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. And you're just going to have to keep trusting me, even when it looks like I'm not doing anything or that it, the wrong thing's happening. And then that summer, this building came up for sale and boy, we've got a, a, a fresh interest for a new location <laughs> and uh, got this place for less than $80,000. So that was a pretty cool provision, wasn't it? Yeah. So, and then that just created what's next, what's next. I was just always ready for what's next. And then the jail opened up and then living free happened. And so it's just, uh, when you have that expectancy of what's next, you know, God wants to do big things. He wants us to trust him for big things, but we also have to trust him when the big thing doesn't happen. You know, that he's going to redeem that and use it for good in your life to show himself to you in greater ways. And that's just the power, I believe, of discovering the delight that God has in you. Not only learning about it, but experiencing it. And the only way to experience it is to put your trust in him. 
and he will, he will not fail you. You may or may not get that thing that you felt you needed, that you needed to trust him for, but he will be faithful to show you that he is trustworthy. God can be trustworthy without fulfilling what it is you thought you wanted or needed. And that is the fact that he confirms himself to you, confirms his love to you in a variety of creative ways that goes way beyond what your limited imagination can um, take you. So um, in uh, Psalm 37, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it, and it goes back to the fact that our desires will begin to be his desires when we are experiencing his delight in us and taking that delight and allowing our delight to then be given to him. Um, and uh, we become one with him. So anyways, I know everybody's in a different place in their life right now, and I'm in a different place too. It's like a whole new season of, I think, being called to go, go deeper and surrender more of my life. And so it's a great reminder for me of how I've experienced his faithfulness in the past how I've yielded my, my concerns to him in the past and yielding the new ones, you know, because we have new burdens, new challenges, new seasons in our life, new territory we've never been in before. And, and it's easy to get lost in that. But we need to be reminded of the ways we've experienced him in the past and do it again. Don't give up, you know, apply it again to this new thing to believe in him. And I know in that situation, you know, I was, uh, I, I was fully committed to surrendering myself every day to following his direction. You are the Lord. You are the leader. I am the follower. I'm going to get up and make sure you're in the driver's seat, I'm in the passenger seat, not the other way around. And if I find myself sliding in that direction to try to hopefully allow the Holy Spirit to remind me to get back in my spot, and I will follow your direction. It's the only thing that works. It's the only thing that brings life. Obedience is life. The leadership of the Savior is life. Anything else is death and destruction <laughs> to one level or another. It's lostness. So if you don't want to be lost, then you need to let the one who knows the right direction to be the driver, you know? And, and so I say that for myself because I've been lost for the last couple years. So I am trying to put myself in the right spot so that I can get out of that condition so, <clears throat> um, I just want to uh, pray, and then um, we're just going to uh, close in a song that we're going to sing with a video. So, dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your faithfulness to us. We pray that you will help us to see the fullness of who you are 
in a way that is transforming. Help us to experience your love and your delight for each and every one of us. We all have our own unique story, our own unique journey, and yet we're all the same. We're all created by you. We're all created for your purposes. We're all created out of your delight for each and every one of us. So I just pray that you will break through the barriers that keep us from believing that and receiving it and help us, Lord, to walk hand in hand with you. And we just pray all this in Jesus' name as we stand and worship together. Thanks for listening. For more information about Praise Community Church, including gathering times and events, please visit us at praisecc.org.